John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Would you pray with me? Lord, we we cannot even begin to wrap our minds around what you have said here that as the Father has loved you, so you have loved us. That you have loved us fully. You have loved us completely. You have loved us at the cost of your life. And in your love, you have given us this book. This book that reveals to us your goodness and your love and your power and your purposes for us. And we want to receive this book as the treasure it is. We want to turn our hearts to it. We want to turn our mind to it. We want to hear you speak in this book. And so please come by your spirit and work. Work now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if as I read that passage, you notice that there are two words that come up again and again. The words fruit and abide. And if you, if you understand what Jesus says in this passage about the relationship between these words, between fruit and abide, you will understand, not just the passage, but the Christian life. This is an incredibly important passage, an incredibly rich passage, but its basic message is also incredibly simple. And it has to do with this picture Jesus paints with his words of a vine and branches and fruit. So some of you are from wine country, so you have no problem picturing a grapevine. Some of you, like me, grew up in a city, and you have to search the internet. But if you, if you squint really hard, 
there are actually grapevines on that slide. So you can kind of look in the background and see what I'm describing. But a grapevine has kind of a woody, a woody vine coming up out of the ground. It splits, and then there are these stems, branches coming off of it, on which are these, these clusters of, of full, crisp, ripe grapes. Right? Some of you are like, yeah, everybody knows a grapevine. I don't. Jesus is saying, if you can understand a grapevine, you can understand the Christian life. And he makes the connection most clearly in verse 5 of this passage. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's, that's the point of the picture. The only, the only way a branch can bear fruit, the only way it can bear grapes, is if it has a vital living connection to the vine, if, if the life of the vine is flowing through the branch. And Jesus says, you are the branches and I am the vine. The only way you can bear fruit, the only way you can have the abundant life you are made for, the only way uh, for you to, to live as you are made to live is if you're so vitally connected to me in such intimate relationship to me that my life flows through your life, that I am in you and you are in me. If you don't have that kind of relationship with me, he says, you can do nothing. And he doesn't mean literally nothing, as though you can't do algebra without him, or you can't drive a car without him. He means that apart from me, apart from this kind of relationship, you can't become the person you ought to be. You can't become the person you you want to be, a person of love, a person of courage, a person of resilience, a person of influence. You cannot be who you ought to be, and you cannot have the impact you want your life to have unless you have this kind of relationship with me. That's the message of the passage. It's fruit through abiding. It's abundance through dependence. It's transformation through spiritual union. That's the whole sermon. And some of you are thinking, that's great. We're going to get out of here early today. Sorry to disappoint you. Because we don't want to just get the idea of the passage. We want to know how to live it. If the secret of a thriving life is a thriving relationship to Jesus, how do we get that? How do we know if we have it? How do we grow in it? And, and if I can raise the stakes even just a little bit more, we don't just want this kind of life, we need it. Because Jesus says that fruit is the whole reason he called us to be his disciples, right? Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Fruit is why he chose these disciples, and it's the same for every disciple. It's why he brought us to himself. And fruit is what God is looking for in our lives. Look back at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He said, my father's like a grape farmer, right? He doesn't just do it because it's kind of satisfying. He doesn't just enjoy the work. He doesn't do it just because he likes kind of the look of the plants in the field. He does it because he wants a harvest. He wants something to come out of our lives. He's looking for fruit. And the presence or absence of fruit actually determines whether God tends us and cultivates our lives or whether (laughs) what he says... he throws it away, right? And, and we'll talk later about what that means, but I think at the very least we can agree we'd rather be pruned by God than discarded. 
So it's really important that we understand what Jesus means when he talks about fruit, and it's really important that we understand what he means when he talks about abiding. And that's what we want to do this morning. So the two questions, we're going to ask just two questions of this passage, and they're on the back of your bulletin if you got one as you came in. What fruit does God want in our lives, and how can we abide in Christ so that we bear that fruit? So the first question is, what fruit does God want in our lives? And the first thing we need to understand about this picture of the vine and the fruit is that this didn't start with Jesus. Okay, this picture has come from the Old Testament. It's used many times there, and it's virtually always used the same way. So I'm just going to pick one example, okay, from from the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 5. This is what he says. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. So it's this picture of God planting a vineyard, looking for a specific kind of fruit, and and he doesn't get it. The wrong fruit comes. And this is what he explains it in verse 7. He says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, and for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And this is the way this picture is used almost every time in the Old Testament, that there's that God's people are a vine, they're a vineyard, and he's looking for a certain kind of fruit, and he, he never gets it. Their, their lives never produce what God wants them to produce. They, they never become what God wants them to be. And that's why Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. I am what every other person ought to have been and wasn't. I alone am producing what God made humanity to produce. I'm, I'm living the abundant life. I'm the only one living the life that God made humanity for. And so what does it mean that he is the vine and we are the branches? It means that he alone can produce the fruit that God wants out of a human life, and that if we depend on him, if we're connected to him, he'll produce it in us and through us. He says, I'm the true vine. I alone am fruitful, and in me, you can be fruitful too. You can be what you were made to be. So what's the fruit? It's the life of Jesus in our life. It's him living it out through us. He alone lives a life perfectly pleasing to God, and if he says if we're connected to him, then what's perfectly true of him, of him will become increasingly true of us, will be changed to look more and more like him. And I want to draw out two specific kinds of fruit, because I want, I want this to be concrete. I want us to understand what he's getting at. What can people who are in the vine, who are in Christ, expect to see in their lives? The first thing is inward transformation, okay? Bearing fruit means becoming people who reflect the character of Christ. If you were, if you were here last week, we were in John 14, and, and we, were, we saw that Jesus said to his disciples, this is, remember, this is the night before Jesus is dying, the night before he's going to be arrested and crucified. By this time the next day, he's going to be dead in the tomb, right? So this is the last night, and he tells them, even in light of all that's happening, he says, I'm leaving you peace. And do you remember, do you remember what he, how he described that peace? He said, I'm giving you my peace, right? My peace will be in you. In this passage, at the end of verse 9, he says, abide in my love. In verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. When we're connected to Christ, when we abide in him, 
His peace comes into our life and becomes our peace. His love comes into our life and becomes our love. His joy comes into our life and becomes our joy. We begin to look more and more like him. We, we were talking last week in that passage, we saw that, that Jesus was saying, even though I'm going away, I'm going to still be with you. You can still be connected to me because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, right? Wherever he is, I am too. And I will be with you. I will, I will be with you. You will be in me. The way we abide in Christ is through the Holy Spirit, which is why the, the Bible can talk about this fruit in either way, right? The fruit we bear through abiding in Christ is also called the fruit of the Spirit, right? Remember where Paul said that in Galatians, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you are vitally connected to Jesus, your life bears his fruit. You can show his love. Your face radiates with his joy. You can, you can deal with your coworkers with his patience. You can, you can treat your kids, even when they're you know, climbing the walls, with his gentleness. When you're all alone and no one sees what you do, you can act with his self-control. So one facet of the fruit God wants for us is inward transformation, and we need that, don't we? We're, we're too easily irritated. We, we're too controlled by what people think of us. We focus too much on our problems, so we complain instead of giving thanks. We all know that we're not what we ought to be. We all know, everyone knows that we ought to change, and everyone tries. And most of our attempts to change fail. We're like rubber bands. We, we can stretch for a while, but sooner or later we just snap back into our old shape. What we do really is what I've heard someone call fruit stapling. And I want to explain fruit stapling to you. So you imagine, imagine your life as an apple tree, okay? I know I'm mixing fruit metaphors here, but I know you can hang with me. Imagine your life as an apple tree, okay? And just year after year, you look at the tree and, and no apples ever come, right? It, it never bears fruit. And so you think, well, I'm, I'm going to fix this thing once and for all. And you go to the, the store and you buy a bushel of apples and you get your ladder and the staple gun and you just... You just fill that tree with apples, and you say, there it is. That's, that's what I've been looking for. But what, what happens to that fruit? It rots, and it falls off, and, and the tree is just as barren as it ever was. It, you didn't change it on the inside. It didn't, it, it, the solution didn't go deeply enough. The only way to deeply change is to have the life of Jesus in your life, to have him change you from the inside out. So, so part of the fruit that Jesus wants is inward transformation, but it doesn't stop there. God also wants to produce in us outward impact. So this, this isn't the only place in John's gospel where Jesus talks about fruit. This is what he says in chapter 12, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, the fruit he's talking about there isn't kind of a transformation. It's the, it's the impact of his life. It's what he's going to accomplish by dying. He's saying, if I fall into the ground and die, I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to change people's lives. I'm going to bring people to life. I'm going to have this huge impact. His fruit is outward impact. And that's probably what he has in mind when he says in our passage in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide. So he's saying, you're my apostles, and I chose you because I want to send you out to bear fruit. So what's, what's the fruit he's sending them to get, right? It's, 
It's the lives that are changed by the message that they carry, by them going out and saying, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. And people believe that and they're changed and there's impact, there's fruit. That's one thing that God wants for our lives. Now, I've had the privilege over the last few weeks of, of interviewing some of the people who are going to be baptized next Sunday. And in each conversation, I try to get a sense of how their lives have changed since they trusted in Jesus. And every story is unique. They're all different. But it was striking how in their stories, I could hear, I could see these kinds of fruit. People, these people have experienced peace and even joy in suffering, They've, they've experienced, they've seen come out of themselves a new kindness and a new gentleness, even to people who are wronging them. And it's, it's not just that inward transformation, but they also talk about how since they've trusted in Jesus, they're not, they're not embarrassed anymore to, to talk about their faith with people at work. They, they want other people to experience what they've experienced. There's this outward impact. So are you experiencing this? Are you seeing fruit in your life? Are you changing? If you think about your life two years ago and compare it to now, is there more peace now? Is there more joy now? Are you more open with your faith now? I, I know you're not perfect, but are you changing? If not, if there's a problem with your fruit, then we need to look a little deeper and see if there's a problem with your abiding. And that's what we want to look at next. So let's ask the second question. What does it look like to abide in Christ? What kind of life bears fruit? What does it look like to have this this life-giving relationship with Jesus, this this union with him that changes us? Do you know what Jesus doesn't do in this passage? He doesn't give us steps. it's it's, It's not like what covers the floor of my house, Lego instructions, right? It's not like... Ikea assembly instructions where Jesus says, if you want to have this life, you do this and this and this, and you got to make sure you have the little tool that you always lose. It's not like that. And do you know why? Because abiding in Christ is not a technique. It's not mechanical. It's a relationship. He doesn't give us steps, but he does paint a picture for us. He gives us the elements that are present in an abiding life. And I want to look at, at four of them. And as we look at these, I just want you to keep asking yourselves, is this true of me? Is this, is this happening in my life? Here they are. These are four things that are true of the people who are abiding in Christ. First, they take in and they live out Jesus' words. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says, part of abiding in me is having my words abide in you. Now, what does that mean? What it can't mean is, what, what abiding, having his words abide in us can't mean is just that we know them, right? This can't be just Jesus saying, Bible memory. If you, if you memorize the Bible, then you'll be okay. Because here's how I know, okay? I know because I'm a parent. So um, I've got a baby, obviously. She doesn't really apply to this illustration, but my boys, my, my boys, if I, if I say to them, okay, listen, guys. Now, mommy is busy with the baby. I have to go out, and this is what I want for you to do. I want you to make yourselves peanut butter sandwiches. I want you to eat those sandwiches. I want you to put away the peanut butter, put away the bread, put your cups and your dishes in the sink, and then you can play. And if I come home and find peanut butter on the counter, bread getting stale, spilled milk on the table, plates still in their places, and I go to my sons and I say, what 
what did I tell you before I left? And if they could recite for me all the instructions, that wouldn't be a comfort to me, right? I wouldn't say, my words are abiding in you. I would say, if you knew it, why didn't it change your life? Why didn't it affect the way that you were living? So it's the same with Jesus, right? Here, having his words abide in you means, yes, you take them in, right? You, you read what he has said. You, you hear it preached. But you take his words and you live them out. You apply them to life. Not just his commands, but his promises. His assurances of his love. Are you doing that? Do you have a habit of meeting with God through his word? And if it's not a habit, it's probably not happening. Are you meeting with him? Is there a time when you you read a passage of scripture and you think about what it means for your life and then you pray for God to, to help you to live it out, for God to make it true in your life? That's part of abiding. And it connects to the second thing that's true of those who, who abide in Christ, which is that they sacrificially love Jesus' other disciples. So look at verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So what are his commandments? Look at verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So, so part of his word abiding in us is that we, we keep his commandments, and the commandment he highlights more than any other in this passage is the one to love each other, to love other Christians. This was his point, remember, in John 13, which we looked at three weeks ago, where uh, Jesus, during supper, the same supper when he's saying this, when he got down and he, he washed his disciples' feet and said, If I've served you this way, if I've loved you this way, you should be loving one another. You should be serving one another humbly. And here he says the same thing. He says, I want you to love each other like I've loved you. Lay down your lives for each other. There are Christians, and maybe you know some of them, who who think that they can have a healthy and full relationship in Christ apart from any relationship to other Christians, apart from any participation in the local church. They might even use this passage as evidence. I could hear them reading this and saying, well, here, it's right here. All I need is Jesus. As long as I'm connected to him, I can bear all the fruit I'm supposed to bear. I don't need other Christians. But it's not that simple for Jesus, is it? Because he says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And my commandment is to love other people. Part of abiding in his love is showing it to other disciples. We can't abide in Christ alone. Now, every church has stealth attendees, ninja worshipers, who slip in and slip out, and you never even know they were there, right? Don't look at them. It'll make them self-conscious. Part of the fruitful life, the abundant life, is being in relationship with other Christians to the point where you know their lives well enough to serve them, and they know your life well enough to serve you. And I know that pursuing those relationships can be intimidating, you have to be vulnerable, and that's hard. I know it's, that can be fatiguing and even heartbreaking at a church like Sunrise where we have to say goodbye as often as we do. But that's, that's part of abiding in Christ. And Jesus says, it's for your joy. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It is for your joy to press in to the lives of other believers here. It's part of abiding in Christ. So those who abide in Christ, they take in and live out his words, they sacrificially love other disciples, and thirdly, they pray according to God's will. Look at verse 7. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, when I was eight years old, there was a Saturday morning cartoon called Wish Kid, which starred a celebrity at the time, the voice of Macaulay Culkin. Do you guys remember Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone? So this was like a, maybe we can make a little more money off Macaulay Culkin, we'll give him a show. So cartoon, Wish Kid, and and the premise of Wish Kid is that this kid has a magic baseball glove, and if he pounds the baseball glove three times, it grants him a wish, but only one wish a week, and it always ends in, you know, never the way he thinks it will, always in hilarity, that's how cartoons work. We have to be careful not to misunderstand Jesus and think that he's saying abiding in Christ is like the magic baseball glove. And if you just do these things, if you just keep this relationship, you can ask for anything. You want a yacht? You want a, you want a house on the beach? It's yours. You're, you're part of the inner circle. That's not what he's talking about. It's not a wish in that way. What he's saying is if you're vitally connected to me, if my words are abiding in you, if you're being changed from the inside out, You're going to become the kind of person who prays prayers that are answered because you're going to be asking me for what I want to give you. You're going to be shaped by what I've said. Your heart is going to change. Your mind is going to change. What you're going to want is what I want to give. And so then ask whatever you wish, and I'll do it because what you want is what I love to give. That's how this works. And so it's not to say that people who are abiding in Christ, that they never ask for anything for themselves. I don't know about yachts. That just came into my mind. But you can ask for things for yourself, right? If you think about the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus teach us to pray? He says, it's okay to pray, give us today our daily bread. It's okay to ask things for yourself. But what does it follow, right? He doesn't say that until he's already said, pray this way. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The more we abide in Christ, the more those things become our concern, How is God being known in the world? Are people experiencing his love? Are his plans being accomplished? And those things become kind of the gravitational center of our prayers. That's where we want to see God work, and that's what he loves to give. People who abide in Christ pray according to God's will, and finally, they experience God's correction. Now we need to look back at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So those who abide bear fruit, and those who bear fruit get pruned. Now, what is pruning? Well, it's cutting, right? It's cutting back parts of the branch. It's cutting back part of the plant so that the part that remains can be more fruitful, can produce more and better fruit. And Jesus says that one of the signs that you're abiding in Christ is that God cuts you. He cuts things out of your life that are keeping you from being fruitful. He corrects you so that you experience more transformation, so your life has greater impact. And cutting hurts. You'll be reading a passage of scripture or listening to a sermon, and you'll think, ouch, I think that's for me. I think something needs to change. Or suffering will come into your life, and it'll cause you to kind of reevaluate how you're living and, and what you're putting your focus on. Through suffering, God trains us to trust him and to endure. So one of the marks of being healthy is that you get cut back 
to grow more. God disciplines those he loves. It's not fun. Some of you are there right now. It's not fun, but it's better than the alternative. Because Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. All right, look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withered, withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. He says there are, there are branches that don't get tended and pruned. They get cast away. They're thrown into the fire of judgment. Now we have to listen to him carefully here. He's not saying, what he's not saying is, you better produce a lot of fruit. You better be really fruitful because if there's, there's this cutoff, and if you're below the cutoff, if you're just a little bit fruitful, I want nothing to do with you. That's not what he's saying, right? Even a little fruit, even a struggling disciple, I mean, where your life is just changing a little, that kind of branch is the one that Jesus says, my father's going to tend to you. He's going to prune you. He's going to help you grow. If there's just a little life, God is going to bring it out. What he's saying is, if there's no fruit, then there's no life. If there's no change, if there's nothing happening, that's a dead branch, and dead branches get taken away. What he's saying is, these aren't struggling disciples he's talking about. He's talking about people who seem to be disciples, but aren't. They may come to church, they may read their Bible, they may close their eyes and raise their hands in worship, but there's no abiding. There's no living connection to Jesus. They don't experience transformation. You can see, you can see this proved if you look at what he says in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The ones, what proves somebody to be a disciple is that they bear fruit. If there's no fruit, it's not that they, they're a bad disciple. They, they never became a disciple at all. Disciples without fruit, they're not true disciples. And, and Judas was this way, right? Judas followed Jesus, he heard his teaching, he saw his miracles, but he was never united to him by faith. Jesus' life never came into his life. Is that you? Have you been around Christianity for a long time, but it's never penetrated your heart? You've never been made new. The worst thing you can do is fruit stapling. Don't just try to mimic the life that you see that other people have. What we've been talking about is how we abide in Christ, but that's not how we, it's how, that's how we stay connected to Christ. That's not how we get connected to Christ. That's not how we, we get the life that he gives. That happens a different way, and it's, it's never been said clearer than in, in the verse from earlier in this gospel, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not be cast away, but have eternal life. We come to him by belief. That's how we get connected. We get connected to him by faith. And the moment we trust him, we come alive. We become the branch that the father prunes. That's why he says in verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. They, they heard his word. They heard Jesus say, this is who I am. And they trusted that word and it made them these clean branches, ready to bear fruit, ready to be tended by the father. We come to Jesus by faith. That's how we get his life in us. But then we don't coast, we abide. We continue in faith. We continue to trust him. Our faith is strengthened by his words abiding in us. It's strengthened by his pruning. 
Our faith expresses itself in God-centered prayer and sacrificial love. Our faith is, is proven by the fruit that God bears in us, just in good times and bad, year after year. Do you have this life in Christ? If not, God offers it to you, right? Jesus said in this passage, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for sinners. He laid down his life for you. He was, he was cut off and cast into judgment so you could be brought and grafted into the vine. He, on the cross, he died under God's judgment so you could flourish under God's care. Trust in this. Trust in him. If you do, his life will come into your life. You will bear fruit that abides. God will be glorified and your joy will be full. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the life that is ours through faith in Jesus, that you have not called us to do all these things in our own strength. What you've called us to is to come and abide in Jesus to connect to him, to have his life fill our lives, for him to bear his fruit in us. God, it's just, it's amazing to me that the way the fruit of Jesus comes into the world is through us. We are the branches, and we want to be fruitful. Father, we want to change. We don't, we, we don't want to be impatient anymore. We don't want to be disheartened anymore. We don't want to be afraid anymore. We don't want to be anxious anymore. We want to change. We want to be what you want us to be, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that he does this in us. And I pray, Father, I pray for us, I pray for us as a church that we would experience the joy of abiding, that we would experience the joy of being changed to look like your son, and the joy of being used to help other people know him. But this Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so come and do this work in us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.